Hello, and welcome to Let's Discuss That. I'm Hope. And I'm Kasha. After last week's thrilling debate about whether or not the Earth is flat, we got thousands of requests to delve into some seriously messed up literature. Did I request thee, maker, from my clay to mold me man? Did I solicit thee from darkness to promote me? So you may be wondering why my partner opened with saying this odd quote. The reason? Well, today we are going to discuss the novel Frankenstein and its relations to Romanticism, Prometheus, Jurassic Park, and scientific advancement. For those of you who haven't read the book, be ready to have your mind blown with this quick recap. Before we summarize the terrifying tale of Frankenstein, I want to put out a warning for those easily frightened. You may not want to listen to the next segment. So to begin, don't get too attached to any characters, because most of them die. This is pretty ironic, since the whole plot of the story centers around the creation of life from death. For those of you listening who haven't read the book, shout out to Sparknotes. The story of Frankenstein and his monster is set within another story, which is a frame story. It starts out with a guy named Robert Walden, who is on a voyage towards the North Pole in search of glory through the discoveries he thinks he's going to be making. Not gonna lie, when I started reading this book, I was very confused. I did not care about this Robert guy or whatever he was doing, I just wanted to learn about the monster. And lo and behold, my wishes were granted. After just a couple pages on my ever-favorite subject, (laughs) nature, Robert sees the monster racing across the frozen tundra with his sled dogs, closely followed by Victor Frankenstein. But Victor had fallen through the ice at this point and needed saving, so Walton and his crew took him in. I think my favorite part about this is that if Walton's ship hadn't been going north, Frankenstein would have just stayed on his iceberg and died. True, that's very important to know, because it showed Victor's obsession with the monster and how he would follow the creature to the death. Now that I'm off on a tangent, I think I should mention that the start of the story is all told through letters, from Robert Walden to his dear sister, Margaret. If I were Margaret, I would appreciate the letters from my brother, but I'd be exasperated at the length of the one which contains the whole story of Frankenstein. But anyways, where was I? Walton just saved Frankenstein. Oh yeah, okay. So once Walton took in Frankenstein, he notices just how sad this dude is. Walton describes him as a creature destroyed by misery and racked by the chills of hypothermia. Walton slowly nurses him back to health. Mary Shelley goes on to describe how miserable Frankenstein seems and how much Walton longs for a friend, focusing a lot on the character's emotions. This is very romantic, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. After all of this nice description, Frankenstein finally enters into his story, jumping into the story within Walton's. Now, for the good stuff. Frankenstein, who I will now be referring to affectionately as Vicky, starts by telling his backstory, going into his parents' upbringing and his own. Vicky had a picturesque childhood with a loving mother and father. Something a little odd, though, is the introduction of his sister, Elizabeth. She was brought in by Vicky's mother from a peasant family who had taken care of her after she was orphaned. So far, Vicky was a good kid with a good family and good intentions. An important thing to note was his love of science at an early age. Because Vicky was so intellectually inclined, his father sent him off to college. But only his father, because his mother was now dead. Hey, I mean, at least the monster couldn't kill her, too. (laughs) Yeah, 
So, Vecchi gets sent off to college and becomes obsessed with natural philosophy and particularly chemistry. Soon, he is sucked into his studies and just happens to figure out how to animate lifeless matter. So, of course, he did what anyone would do in a situation, and he created a monster. I mean, to his credit, though, he did hesitate in using it. This is like a whole nother can of worms. But Shelley is trying to get people to think about the consequences of scientific advancement because of the time period she wrote the book in. More on that later. But Vicky created this monster, was subsequently horrified by it, and then ignored it for two years. Surprisingly, the monster wasn't happy about this and killed Vicky's brother, William, and framed a Frankenstein family friend, Justine Moritz, which results in her being executed. Using nice, flowery, romantic language, Shelley goes on to describe how awful Vicky feels for numerous pages. Vicky meets his monster while on a nice trek in the mountains, and we get to hear its story. This is like a frame story within a frame story at this point, so it's a bit confusing. The monster describes how he learned to use his senses and tells about how he spied on this nice family for like around a year-ish. When he approaches this family, he gets rejected. This and multiple other encounters with humans causes him to hate mankind as a whole and seek revenge on his creator. At the end of the monster's story, he requests of Vicky to make him a female companion. Vicky accepts and begins his task until upon seeing the monster one night, he tears apart what he is making. This sets the monster into a murderous rage and he ends up killing Vicky's friend Harry and later on his sister wife, Elizabeth. Henry, sorry. Vicky's father dies of sadness and Vicky sets out upon a quest to kill his creation, leading him to follow his monster into the far reaches of the north. This finally leads us back to Walton and his crew, housing the room that is Vicky. Vicky is at the end of his rope and on his deathbed. He asks Walton to continue his, dis- his quest to destroy the monster. The night Vicky dies, Walton finds a monster examining the body of Vicky. The monster goes on to describe how miserable he is, but now that his creator has died, he may now end his suffering. And he effectively, effectively runs off further into the north to go die in a fire. And that, my friends, is Frankenstein. Beautiful, Kosh. But what was that one thing you said you were going to hit on more? Oh, yeah. Um, the time period Shelley wrote this in. So the book was published around 1818 during Britain's Industrial Revolution. Shelley, a noted romantic. Hey, don't steal my info. Oh, I won't, but she was very into nature. So you can probably infer that she was against such scientific advancements in society that could mess with the natural order of things. She portrays this through the creation of the monster being a bad thing, as it causes the death of around seven people. And now, before Kosh can steal any more of my info, romanticism. So, on to the topic of romanticism. When you think of the word romanticism, you may imagine things like love, Valentine's Day, watching the sunset, and the color pink. But that wasn't quite what I'm referring to. The era of romanticism was dedicated to emotion, the beauty of nature, the unique aspects of the imagination, and the individual. During a time where the Industrial Revolution was taking place, there were those who just wanted to appreciate the more delicate side of life away from factories, science, and the machine uprise. Frankenstein is a good example of the romantic literature from that time. Okay, wait. So are you saying there's some sort of, like, love story I missed? (sighs) No. Well, I guess unless you count the marriage between Victor and his sister, but that's not important. So, to continue, Frankenstein is a great example of romantic literature due to its imaginative storyline, use of emotion, and gothic scenery. We are shown a monster brought to life. Victor's Adam, you might say. But instead of him being the classic bloodthirsty monster, 
We are shown his struggle in life, trying to figure out his place in society after being abandoned by his creator, the one who should have loved him unconditionally. Are you just going to, like, leave out the fact that he literally murdered everyone that Victor loved? I'm getting there. As I was saying, we get to see the monster's mind and feel the emotions he's feeling. One scene in particular that I really liked and that showed the monster's bare emotions is when he and Frankenstein are on the mountain and the monster is trying to explain his side of the story. To quote the monster and how he feels about himself, I had admired the perfect form of my cottagers, their grace, beauty, and delicate complexions. But how was I terrified when I viewed myself in a transparent pool? At first, I started back, unable to believe that I was indeed I who was reflected in the mirror. And when I became fully convinced that I was in reality the monster that I am, I was filled with the bitterest sensations of despondence and mortification. This line clearly reveals the monster's reaction to his horrific image. He thought that other people were so beautiful, and he suddenly discovered his deformity derived from being created from decomposing body parts. Not only does this reveal the monster's thoughts and human feelings, but also that he has an intelligent mental capacity. So basically, you're saying this represents romanticism because the monster can recognize he's ugly? Just because I don't want to explain again, I'm going to say yes. Furthermore, the scenery that is common in this story sets a, air quotes, romantic mood. Words and phrases such as solemn silence, shattered pines, rain was pouring in torrents, and many, many more set a gothic scene which is common in romanticism. So gothic scenery is basically like that whole, it was a dark and stormy night cliche? Sure, if that helps you understand it. But now it's time to discuss the other side of this book, which is very interesting. It's relation to the Prometheus myth, which also fits into the romanticism category. So, Prometheus, who is he? He was a Greek titan who was in charge of creating mankind and molded them out of clay. Zeus did not allow humans to have fire, but Prometheus wanted to better the lives of his creations and stole the fire from Olympus to give to the humans. Zeus obviously was a little mad, so as a punishment, he condemned Prometheus to be chained to the side of a mountain and have his everlasting liver pegged out by an eagle every day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so now, how does this relate to Vicky and his monster? Well, first, you should know that Frankenstein's subtitle is actually the modern Prometheus. So you're saying this isn't just something made up by language teachers to make us analyze the story? Nope. Both Prometheus and Vicky are punished because of their creations. All of Vicky's loved ones are killed, and Prometheus is set to suffer for eternity, day after day. They both pursue new and revolutionary ideas, relating back to the idea of scientific advancement and Mary Shelley. While as humans we view Prometheus's creation as a good thing, we do not view Vicky's the same way. Both inventors messed with the natural order of things and had painful consequences. Vicky and Prometheus are inconsistent with the way they interact with their creations. Prometheus caters to their wants, giving them fire at his own expense. Vicky, at the sight of his monster, he says that breathless horror and disgust filled my heart. You can see why Shelley drew parallelism, parallelism between these two people, because Prometheus was known to be a giver of life. She makes the reader think about the fact that, since Vicky's creation was not like us, we rejected it and wanted to get rid of it, similar to the gods. What could this monster have contributed if its creator had just been a little bit more like Prometheus and actually helped it along its way? We do not know the answer to this question, but Shelley assures us through this work 
that that is okay, and some things are just better left alone. Gosh, that was actually deep and kind of smart sounding. Well, thanks, Hope. And now, back to me. Now, to discuss my favorite aspect of this book, the science fiction. Frankenstein is not only a classic romantic book, but it also has a ton of science fiction weaved into its pages. The most prominent scene that displays science fiction is the ever-so-famous storm scene in which Frankenstein succeeds in bringing the monster to life. He accomplishes this by using the power of lightning to kickstart the monster's systems and create life from death. One could call this a truly shocking experience for the monster. (laughs) I'm just not going to respond to that one. But continuing on, another way that science fiction is expressed in the story is the monster's physicality. He is described as being 8 feet tall, grotesque, and displaying superhuman strength and speed. Also, he is, although made from human parts, described as anything but human. But all this talk of science fiction is making me think about something you said earlier. Didn't Mary Shelley write this story to express her distrust of the recent scientific and mechanic advances of the time? That's right. Mary Shelley wanted to show others the consequences of playing nature. That makes me think of a great quote from a popular sci-fi adventure movie classic, Jurassic Park, when Dr. Malcolm states when they are discussing the scientists who brought back the dinosaurs through genetic mapping modification, quote, yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could that they didn't stop to think if they should, end quote. Later, we find that Malcolm is right and almost everyone dies due to the scientists' actions. Sound familiar? You got it. Because of Frankenstein's obsession to play God, the people he loves are killed by the very thing he created, just like the dinosaurs killing most of those on the island. Worst part is they made like four more movies where they just continually make the same mistakes, resulting in innocent people's deaths. That's so true. And that is the message that Mary Shelley is trying to convey with this story. When you play nature, the consequences can be fatal. I would like to leave you with these last quotes before wrapping up this segment of our discussion. As I state these quotes, which go hand in hand, just think about it in terms of the monster and the message that Mary Shelley is expressing. So, from Jurassic Park, God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dr. Malcolm. And in response, dinosaurs eat man. Dr. Ellie Sadler. So, to recraft all that we discussed today, Frankenstein was a narcissist, his monster had daddy issues, everyone dies, and the story as a whole is a classic specimen of romantic literature due to its focus on the individual, its gothic scenery, and its expression of nature. Also, don't forget the fact that when your ego is too big and you try to play God, things typically don't end well. Keep in mind the similarities between Frankenstein, the Prometheus myth, and Jurassic Park. And the fact that Mary Shelley didn't trust the Industrial Revolution. Thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on Let's Let's Discuss Discuss That. That. Next time, we will be taking a look at the controversy around bananas and their correlation to meningitis.